0: Thank you, brother, and hello, everyone. Very welcome to our video broadcast in what is rather strange circumstances that we find ourselves. How much I have looked forward in the past to joining with friends in London as we have studied prophecy. But that is just not the case today. But I trust the Lord will be with us and bless us as we meet together in this fashion. The subject that has been given to me in the series Prophets of the End Times is that of the word spoken to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 and the verse 18. I'd like to read that text. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates. The chapter begins with the words, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. These words are a wonderful example of the seasonableness and of the fitting nature of the word that the Lord oftentimes speaks to his people. At the end of the previous chapter, Abraham, having been the means of rescuing the king of Sodom and his own nephew Lot from the hands of Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and his allies, the king of Sodom offered to Abraham a large portion of the spoil that had been gained. But Abraham refused it on the very wise grounds that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou sayest, I have made Abram rich. That's verse 23 of chapter 14. The Christian should never be seen to be made rich from a source that would bring dishonor to the name of the Lord and his bountiful provision for his people. It was in response to this attitude and action by Abram that the Lord appeared to him and said, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And here is a very practical example of what it means to live by faith and the benefits that comes to those who live so. The response of Abraham indicates to us what was uppermost in his mind and heart here at the beginning of this chapter. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. That's verses 2 and 3. Abram had an eternal view of life. He did not merely live for today, but he has tomorrow and the future in view. Oh, that men might Think of the future and seek to make preparation regarding it. Nothing is more evident than man's utter disregard of the eternality of his own soul and the fact that who knows what a day will bring forth. In the midst of this pandemic, there's little or no reference to God, certainly amongst our politicians, and any reference to God from the leading churchmen, perhaps it would have been better if they hadn't said anything. The general public lives only for the pleasures of this life, and that at the risk of their own health and well being, and they disregard entirely what is taking place amongst us. Now, God's first words to Abraham had been one of a promise of a bright future. In Genesis chapter 12, the verses 1 to 3, and I'll read these verses. We have, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Give thee, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. As I said, that's Genesis twelve one to 3 Now, he was right to look for the beginnings of a fulfillment of that promise. He was childless. How could he see the fulfillment of the promise while this remained so? It was an answer to his prayer regarding his childness, child. It was an answer to his prayer that the Lord now speaks to Abraham on the day as he, on the same day, it was an answer to this prayer that the Lord now speaks to Abraham on the same day as he graciously responds to Abraham's prayer. The events in this chapter 15 took place some 1900 years before the birth of Christ. This verse 18, which forms the center of our study, contains a promise to Abraham and to his descendants, which is yet to be fully and finally fulfilled. It was spoken to Abraham on a very special day, the same day, this day, was indeed the day of Abraham's salvation. It was on this day that Abraham was saved. We read in verses 5 and 6 of this chapter 15, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now this record is referred to by Paul in Romans chapter 4 in the verse 2 and the verse 3. I read, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That which had caused him to respond to God when initially called out of Ur of the Chaldees is now fully developed and he has come to a fixed and settled faith in Jehovah. The reiteration of God's promise and that in a fuller expanded form brought forth this faith. Let us note that here is the origin of faith. As Paul says in Romans chapter 10, the verse 15 to 17, And how shall they preach, except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for, say, for Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So our text, with all it contains, is a record of what the Lord said to Abraham on the day that he was brought to the saving knowledge of the Redeemer. And it's there that I want to start in our study of this text. Because I think that we can conclude from this fact That it is the Lord's will from the very beginning of our spiritual pilgrimage that we understand what he has planned for us in the future. On this day, our text says, the same day, the same day as Abraham was saved, the Lord said, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt even unto the great river, the river Euphrates. There's the future revealed, the promise of God for Abraham and his seed and is given to him on the day that he was saved. Oh, how much awaits the child of God. This was a great promise with regards to the earthly possessions that Abraham and his seed would come into. But I think that what God has promised to all of his redeemed people, Israel and the Gentile believer is of even greater dimensions than this glorious heritage promised to the offspring of Abraham. We redeemed Gentiles must not feel that we are to expect a lesser eternal heritage than that which Israel was to enjoy. Think of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and please look it up in your Bible even now. Ephesians the chapter 1 and the verses 1 to 14 contain a wonderful exposition of just what is the inheritance of the saints. Maybe I could read a few verses, not all of the verses referred to, but if I were to start by reading at the verse 3 of chapter 1 of Ephesians, we read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, as I say, that touches upon some aspects of the wonderful heritage that belongs to all of the redeemed of the Lord. So we must not feel as we look at what God has promised to Israel that somehow or other we are going to fall short. No, no, no. Together with Abraham and all his descendants who have trusted in Christ the Messiah, we will, as Gentile believers, enter into the eternal glories that God has provided for us. Now the fact that Abraham was informed of the future blessings that would come upon his descendants is, I believe, of special significance. I know my SGAT listeners will say amen to that statement. However, there are many amongst God's people who need to learn what is the simple lesson in this statement. God does not conceal the future from his people. The message that God's servants are charged with preaching is the whole counsel of God. All that is in the Bible. And let me enlarge upon that saying. All too many preachers today preach what they call the gospel. But which is no more the gospel than is the first line of the first commandment, the entire ten commandments. First line is only the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And the evangelical call to repentance and faith is but part, a vital part, an essential part, but only part of the message of God. It says the Saviour began to preach, Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. And we are told what it was he began to preach. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I would suggest that the synopsis given here by Matthew of what the Saviour preached on this occasion was indeed just the beginning of the wonderful revelation of God's truth of which the Saviour's ministry consisted. He led his believers into the depths of God's truth. Luke chapter 8. And the verse 1 says, It came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. What a full unveiling of the truth of God that would have been. Little wonder it was said of him by the people. Never man spake like this man. John chapter 7, verse 46. Paul the Apostle. Give us the watchword, which ought to be written on every preacher's heart. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, now he's speaking to the elders in Ephesus, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first definition that Paul gives here in these words of what it was he preached. Listen for the rest. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify, The gospel of the grace of God. There's another definition. And now behold I know that ye all among whom I have gone. Here's another definition. Preaching the kingdom of God. Shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day. That I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned. To declare unto you all the counsel of God. Those words are found in Acts chapter 20, the verses 18 to 27. Here we have just what it is. God's servants are called upon to preach. Leave nothing of God's revelation out. All the counsel of God has to be declared. That was demonstrated for us in God's words to Abraham. He spoke to him about the future that he had planned for his sermon. Again, it must be said with sadness that there is today in the pulpits of evangelical assemblies a leaving out of an essential element of God's truth. In our verse, the Lord deals with the future of Israel and its possessions of the land he promised to them. Our future as Christians is tied in with Israel's future. If you read Romans chapter 11, you will see that Paul links the restoration and salvation of Israel with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when the restoration will take place and the regeneration of the ancient people of God. Here's what we read in verses 26 and 27 of that chapter 11. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sin. This wonderful change in Israel's spiritual standing will come when the deliverer will come out of Zion. These words are a quote from Isaiah 59, verse 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob's, saith the Lord. It refers to his coming to Zion. We cannot contemplate the return of Christ without contemplating what will be Israel's portion on that great day. To attempt any consideration of the day of the Lord's return in glory, without giving a proper place to what the Bible says about Israel's restoration and regeneration, requires an ignoring of much of what the Bible has to say. Let me refer again to Paul and his preaching of the whole counsel of God. Consider what he wrote to the Thessalonians. This is in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, there were fake letters going out, supposedly from Paul, seeking to mislead the people of God, and Paul is putting the record straight here, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Then note these words. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Note what it is he says. He told them during his very brief stay in the city, seeking to teach the new converts in Thessalonica. He referred to the great falling away, the revelation and character of the son of perdition, and to the evil attempt that he, the son of perdition, would make upon declaring himself God. In the short time that Paul was in the city, he taught the believers all about prophecy, much of which God's people today are are in total ignorance. How few places, and this is why there is ignorance, how few places teach that even a little of this essential truth, which is but part of the whole counsel of God. Again, The future is one thing about which believers are very concerned. The Lord here told Abraham of that which still lies in the future. Way back then, the Lord was telling Abraham what what lay before his people. Christ understood the desires and the concerns and the anxieties of his people regarding the future and addressed those concerns in that very famous portion in John's Gospel, the verse 1 of chapter 14. Oh, how well surely we know this portion. He says, let not your heart be troubled. They were troubled about the future, what was going to happen. They could see trouble building up all around them with the increasing opposition to the Lord Jesus. Well, the Saviour is comforting them regarding the future. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. So the words of comfort are built upon the fact that Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. And... It behoves the man of God in the pulpit to explain this in great detail, setting forth all that the Bible has to say about that glorious event. How sad that many pastors are happy to have God's people in ignorance about much that concerns the return of Christ. Now, indeed, some pastors would even go out of their way to keep them in ignorance, tell them that The study of such a matter is not for them and will not benefit them. Second main point I'd like to stress is this. This is not the first time that the Lord has told Abraham about his purpose for him. And from that we may learn that this is a subject which requires repeated teaching. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land... And there builded he an altar unto the Lord which appeared unto him. Genesis chapter 12, to verse 7. That was, that was at the very beginning of Abraham's acquaintance with God. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look up from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it unto thy seed forever, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. That's in chapter 13. The Lord takes him a little further here. There's a little more detail given in those verses. Verses 14 to 17 of chapter 13. Then move to the chapter we're in, the chapter 15, verse 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Our text, the verse 18, is a reiteration yet again of this promise of God. Now, each time God refers to it, I want you to notice there is, there is a, not a mere repeating, but an enlarging, an enlarging, an expounding of the details concerning this promise. Compare these verses: Chapter twelve, verse seven, this land; Chapter thirteen, verse fifteen, all the land which thou seest; the chapter fifteen and the verse eighteen, unto thy seed will I. Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. There's an enlarging, I tell you. There's a bringing of Abraham forward and increasing his understanding and knowledge of what it is God has purposed. That is what pastors ought to do. It was set forth in such terms as to show that it was an immutable promise. God's purpose would come to pass. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety. Chapter 15, the verse 13. And then again in our text, The Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Does this not indicate that there can be no doubt that what God has promised, he will fulfill? Thirdly, let me say that this wonderful promise given to Abraham was born of grace. This is the fifth time that the Lord has uttered such words to Abraham as we find in our text. Chapter 12, verse 7. Chapter 13, verse 15. Chapter 15, verse 5, verse 7 and verse 18. Now the number 5 is linked with grace in the Bible. And we see the grace of God here towards Abraham. Abraham was chosen of God in grace. From the very beginning, God's dealing with Abraham was of free, unmerited favor. Listen to what we read. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 3, where the prophet is rehearsing to the people of Israel just something of their history. And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Jer- Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother an Hittite. That's a very humbling Reminder of the origins out of which God had plucked his people. Jo- Joshua says something very similar in chapter 24, verse 2. Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood, that's the river Euphrates, in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father Of Nechor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. So, not only from a racial point of view was there nothing for the seed of Abraham to boast in, but from a spiritual point of view, they were plucked out of idolatry by the grace of God. But then so it is with all of us. So it is with all of us. And Christian, we need to remember our origins. Wherefore remember that ye being in the past time Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision of the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. And again we read in Acts chapter 7, and here Stephen is rehearsing before the elders of Israel something of their history which... (laughs) They had forgotten. And he said, men and brethren and fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, or Babylon, before he dwelt in Carol, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall, or I will, I shall show thee. How interesting this is. Grace of God at work in the life of Abraham and in our lives. Let me show you something else that indicates the grace of God. Abraham was the most unlikely father of nations. Genesis 11, verse 30 says, But Sarah was barren and had no child. That's the man God chose to be the father of nations and of a multitude of descendants, and yet he had no child. Romans chapter 4 records the faith of Abraham, given him of God. The verse 18, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Romans, as I say, chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. And then again we read in Hebrews concerning Sarah and her faith. Through faith also Sarah, having received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. And as the sand which is by the sea shore, immeasurable, innumerable. Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12. Again, let me say that the same grace was seen in the lives of Isaac and Jacob. Genesis chapter 25, verse 21, we read, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah his wife conceived And then turn to chapter 29, verse 31, and we've moved on to another generation of the descendants of Abraham. And the Lord saw that Leah was hated. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And it was of this barren woman that Christ came. For as we read in the verse 31, she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah, and left bearing. Judah was the tribe from which our Savior came. He was the royal redeemer. The fourth point I would like to make, that this is the first mention of a covenant established with Abraham here in our text. As I've already said, the Lord had mentioned to Abraham before just what he planned to do for him and with him. Chapter 12, verse 7, 13, verse 15. But now a solemn covenant is entered upon with Abraham. How sure and certain, as I've mentioned, are those things that God has here promised? He's promised in covenant the ownership of the land. The, law, the land belongs. To the descendants of Abraham, no matter what, the Palestinians, the Arabs, the United Nations, Iran, and all the other enemies of Israel may say. We're told the borders of the land that God has promised to Abraham, here in our text. He says, unto thy seed have I given this land, and then he identifies it. From the river of Egypt onto the great river, the river Euphrates, God draws a line right round the territories that he's going to give to Abraham. And it doesn't matter who disputes the ownership of that land or defies the Jews ever possessing it. God in covenant has said that they will final point I want to make is this. The fulfilling of this covenant is what we, as well as Israel, should be looking forward to. Here are some words from Paul's letter to the Romans, the chapter 11. I'll give you the verse references in a moment. Just let me read out a selection of statements from Romans chapter 11. I say then, Have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and dear Christian, if you're a Gentile today, you're saved as a result of the fall of of, of, of Israel. Their departure for God turned from them To the Gentiles. So the fall of them be the riches of the world. And the uh, diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles. How much more their fullness. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. What shall be the receiving of them be but life from the dead. For I would not brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant Unto them when I shall take away their sins. Those are the verses 11 and 12, verse 15, verse 25, and the verse 27 of Romans 11. So you see, we should be looking forward to the fulfilling of God's covenant with Abraham, for it will be the day when the Lord will come and we shall enter into the fullness. Of his blessing and glory. Yes. We too then. Should look forward with joyful hope. As did Abraham. I can but urge you. To consider what it is I've said. To look at this verse. Pray over it. And dear Christian pray that. There will come soon a day. When the body of believers. Worldwide. Will hear a voice from heaven. Saying. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and awaken out of the slumber and the carelessness that presently grips the people of God regarding the future as outlined in prophecy. God bless you. Thank you for joining with us. And I trust that good has come to your heart as you have listened to God's word.